Today on Podcast by the Bay, we return to our local coverage and feature the group Foster City Watchdog and their efforts to recall Vice Mayor Herb Perez. What we're not okay with is governance through intimidation. And so our goal here is to bring transparency to the process, transparency to the council, to focus on civility and respect and getting citizens involved again, because we feel that you know, there's, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of residents that are afraid of getting involved now because they don't know how they're going to be treated. They're worried that they're going to be talked down to or demeaned. And um, we just feel that that's unacceptable. We'll also speak with Nick Lockery, who's the intern for the Speaker Pro Tem, Kevin Mullen, and who will discuss ACA4, which is the amendment to bring down the voting age to 17. In my life, so many kids who are so passionate doing different internships, doing different advocacy and grassroots campaigns, and also working on the important issues, going out in March and going to protests, especially with March for Our Lives. So many young people who are organizing, students who are doing that, high school students. So I think, yes, in this next election, a lot of kids are going to get involved. And we'll even see younger people within the, within the 18 to 29-year-old range who are going to be running for office, and they're going to be trying to get the ideas out that really affect us young people, and we're going to be making some change with that. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is a production of Bay City Communications and is sponsored by Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com And also Highway Soul Productions www.highwaysoul.com And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading this episode. And we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends. And so today, a lot of times, Podcast by the Bay, we actually deal with a lot of the regional issues, some of the national issues. But today, we're actually going to get back down to some of the local issues. And so today, we're actually going to speak with the group's Foster City Watchdog, and we're going to talk about this recall effort for the vice mayor, Herb Perez. So we have some uh, guests from the uh, group. We have Stacy Jimenez and also Jason Pollard. So welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And so I guess my first question is really what does the group Foster City Watchdog represent and uh, really stand for? So I, I think what it, what it represents and what it stands for is trying to bring back respectability and, and, and civility to the council to city government to you know respect for citizens and um that's kind of the general broad picture uh, outline of it okay sounds good sounds good um I, you know we, we've seen a lot of social media posts there's been newspaper articles really about this recall effort for the elected official vice mayor perez so what is happening and why is this group taking this action so what is happening is, I mean, if, if you've seen uh, on social media, if you've seen the video of her Perez's behavior at council meetings, at subcommittee meetings, um, you can see that 
there's a lack of respect. There's de- he demeans citizens. He um, his just his behavior has become unacceptable, and uh, he's betrayed the public trust in our opinion. So what we're what we're not okay with is governance through intimidation. And so our goal here is to bring transparency to the process, transparency to the council, to focus on civility and respect and getting citizens involved again, because we feel that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of residents that are afraid of getting involved now because they don't know how they're going to be treated. They're worried that they're going to be talked down to or demeaned and, um, we just feel that that's unacceptable. It's time to take our city back. Okay, sound, sounds good. Okay, so that, that's, that gives us a little perspective on why, what's happening, on why you guys are approaching this. I mean, I'm just going to read something from the website, from, from what I read, and this is a recallperez.com. Is that correct? Is that the website? That is, yes. Okay, so, so, so what I saw is uh, the open disdain for residents by Vice Mayor Herb Perez is evident in public sessions where his personal attacks, verbal abuse, and uncivil treatment of residents and fellow council members is seen as a deterrent to involvement. Herb Perez has broken public trust through poor and tardy attendance at council and committee meetings, leveraging city resources and relationships to further his business interests, breaking campaign promises, and failing to meet obligation-specific groups. So that's kind of what... I'm seeing the perspective is from the Foster City Watchdog Group. Uh, Patrick, did you have a question about? Yeah, yeah. Welcome both uh, to podcast by the Bay. I really appreciate your civic civic involvement. Um, could you, for our audience, give us the reason of the turning point of why you um, formed this organization? So obviously, um, you, you've got some real good issues here, but there must have been a turning point uh, that you said we had enough um, because obviously. Some of this conduct has been going on for several years. So what was the turning point for the group to unite um, behind this? So I think the real turning point was last year during the, uh, the, when the new council members came on and then it, was, it became time for the mayor rotation and the, election of, uh, the selection of a new mayor and vice mayor. At that point, you know, I, we, had, we had seen many letters being written to the council in support of a new mayor of somebody that hadn't been mayor before to have the opportunity. And when Sam Hindi was appointed mayor and then uh, Mr. Her Perez was appointed vice mayor, that kind of brought everyone together in the room. And it just, it was the turning point. It was the, you know, the enough is enough. And now it's time to do something about this. Well, I think that's a very, very good point and maybe a good turning point. And obviously I was a, uh, indirect participant of it because I did run for election and it was an unfortunate thing that they took that rotation. But I think for our audience and everybody, um, there was not a, a fairness there. Uh, but then again, the council has, a, I guess, that prerogative to do what they want. But uh, you're right. I think that's a very good point. A very good turn. Was there anything else besides the rotation of the council that has really driven you um, on your goal for the recall? There, um, I agree about uh, your comment that maybe that was your turning point. But I know you guys have a lot of stuff on your website. Is there? And you talk about behavior. What is what egregious behavior do you think really, really irks the residents in Foster City that for uh, for a recall? There are so many. I, I've talked to so many people who have had just very um, 
egregious interactions with him. And uh, if you, you know, anyone out there um, listening, uh, you just need to go to our website, recallprez.com, and you can see this video that has all of the, um, just many, many examples of how Perez treats our, our residents. And it's, it's abhorrent. It should not, should not happen. Um, there needs to be a respect of citizens, even if they don't have or share your, your opinions. And, and Perez seems to have completely lost that ability to be respectful. You, you know, you brought up the video, and I actually did get a chance to check it out. Um, it's on your guys' website. And one of the things I noticed, is I, and I think that this is kind of to your guys' point, is I think one of the things that if, if there was a little bit of listening in the sense of uh, when the when the community members are actually discussing issues and, and really bringing things, I think you guys want to be heard, and that's the point I'm trying to make. I think you guys want to be heard, and it sounds like this is a process to actually getting heard. Um, to, to doing this. So, you know, one of the other questions I have is really for, you, you know, Vice Mayor Perez is going to be termed out actually after next year. So I think many people were wondering, why don't just wait till he's turned out? So I think a big, a big part of this is also that we've, see, we've seen that it's very clear that they're not going to rotate the mayor position and the vice mayor position. And it's pretty clear that they're going to the plan is to make him mayor next year and we are not okay with him being in control of the council again as mayor where he would be in control of meetings. He'd be in control of the tone and the behavior of the interactions with not just our residents, but our city, our city leaders and other cities. And we're not okay with him being in that position of power again. Um, And that's, and that's a big part of, yes, he's termed out at the end of 2020, but uh, we feel that it's very important that he does not have that control as mayor any any longer. Okay, okay. Um, and, and what is what is some of the initial feedback you guys have received from the Foster City community after this announcement? Uh, announcement. We started with uh, a small group of about a dozen, uh, literally just two weeks ago, and in the last two weeks, we have almost two hundred volunteers who have stepped up and re- they're ready to tell their stories. They're ready to do whatever it takes to um, move this process forward. Um, I think that if you look at the video on YouTube, it, it's had um, over 4,100 hits in the last two weeks alone. So I think that speaks very clearly that we're not just a small group of just, you know, gruntled um, anti-housing folks that that we are a city and 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 we're tired of of this behavior it has to stop so so you guys uh what what are the next steps for you guys in this process of this recall so we're actually very early in the process we had an initial uh notice of intent that was signed by roughly 30 of our residents and that has been submitted to the city clerk for approval once that is approved Uh, then we will need to submit the actual petition that will be circulated. And that also must be approved. Um, And then in between that, um, the vice mayor has an option to uh, give a statement, a 200 word statement um, that will be printed on the petition. Um, So once that gets approved, then we have 120 days to get our needed signatures. And then once those signatures have been verified, it then goes on the ballot. So I think it's important for people to understand that simply signing a petition doesn't necessarily mean that her prize will be out. 
all we're doing is just putting the question before the entire community and allowing them to, to vote on, on whether or not he stays in office. And, and so really what we're doing is just, uh, I look at what our group is doing more is just gather information and it to voters. And to to the knowledge for the listeners out, do you actually have a political action campaign number, um, and is it is it registered with the uh, county or the or the city? We do have an FBC number that's registered with the state as as a political uh, committee. Okay, so you you do have an ID number, a, a FPC number. Yes, we do. Okay. And that's probably on your website. That's probably on your website, too. So if the listeners want to make a donation to it or get involved, they can reach out to either one of you. Correct. They can uh, email us at info at recallperez.com. And we can get in touch with them that way. Well, we appreciate a podcast by the Bay that you've reached out to us because we like to make sure that any channel of communications available for all parties to uh, voice their opinion so that they can so that the public can at their leisure. Um, I know I come across a lot of people that their only form of communication is either the Internet or looking at the Daily Journal. So that just to have you guys on there, we appreciate that. We appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having us. And, and I guess finally, if um, I understand there might be a, a kickoff coming up, can you guys give a little background about that or where is it going to be and um, what, where the public can actually participate if they'd like? We don't have dates yet. Again, we are super early in the process. We're still waiting for all of the paperwork um, to make its way through all the different channels. And once that gets done, then we will um, definitely have some signing events uh, probably towards the end of this month in various locations. And I think it's going to be a great chance to just bring our community together and really uh, take take a stand and, and start having um, this conversation that needs to, to be hand, uh, had right now. How many signatures are required for for the um, for the actual recall? Um, we need roughly thirty six hundred signatures. Thirty six hundred. Okay. Sounds good. So, okay. It's 15% of the registered voters. That comes out to about 3,600 uh, 3, signatures. Well, sounds good, you guys. I definitely appreciate, uh, Patrick and I definitely appreciate you guys uh, speaking with Podcasts by the Bay and really presenting your guys' uh, uh, what, you, what you guys represent as Foster City Watchdog and what you guys are taking action here with. So, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and sign off. Um, Patrick, do you have any last questions at all, or are we going to go ahead and sign off? No, I. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. And again, we we thank you very much for voicing your opinion, and we thank you for being responsible residents doing that. Um, and uh, we look forward to finding out what's going to happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Patrick and Andre. We'd like to thank Stacy and Jason from the Foster City Watchdog Group for speaking with Podcast by the Bay. And we've also actually reached out to Vice Mayor Herb Perez to get his feedback. And we look forward to continuing updates on this story as it unfolds. And now we're going to move to the ACA 4, which is the amendment to really bring down the voting age 
to 17 years old, and we speak with Nick Lockery. And Nick Lockery is actually the intern for assembly member and the speaker pro tem, Kevin Mullen. And so he actually is the intern there. And so we actually got a chance to actually speak with Nick Lockery. And he actually had a big speech the other day out of the committee meeting uh, here in uh, San Mateo. So we got to actually speak. So here it is. We're at the Democratic Central Committee. It's Thursday night, and we have the honor of interviewing... Nick Lockery. Nick is the uh, intern uh, for Kevin Mullins. He's also a graduate of Sarah High School, just graduated recently. This is his first uh, first uh, public speaking that he did in front of the Democratic uh, Central Committee. Tell me what you were here to talk about. I was here to po- talk about youth voting and engagement in our politics and also uh, Assembly uh, Constitutional Amendment 4 uh, by Kevin Mullen. Uh, it was an amendment to allow 17-year-olds who would be 18 by the general election to vote in primaries and uh, special elections. Now, what, what do you think, how much of that population or 17 years old that would probably make a difference here, just maybe in San Mateo County? Do you have any idea by chance? Well, I don't necessarily have the numbers for you, but what I can tell you is that now that we move the primary up to March, there's about uh, eight months till the till November. So every year, every two years, right, there's eight months of those birthdays, so kids are turning 18 then. And so... Previously, they haven't been allowed to vote in the primary, which is so key to getting those candidates and also propositions passed. The candidates on the well, as a high school teacher, I understand. I substitute in the Sequoia School District, and the kids were passionate the last time the presidential election came up. What do you think the young people are going to do today? Do you think they're going to get active more so than they did in the last election? Oh, yeah, I definitely think so. I think 2016 was a wake-up call, and we've already seen a lot more youth engagement in 2018. And now what we're saying, I've seen in, in my life, so many kids who are so passionate doing different internships, doing different advocacy and grassroots campaigns, and also working on the important issues, going out in March and going to protests, especially with March for Our Lives. So many young people who are organizing, students who are doing that, high school students. So I think, yes, in this next election, a lot of kids are going to get involved. And we, we'll even see younger people within the, within the 18 to 29-year-old range who are going to be running for office, and they're going to be trying to get the ideas out that really affect us young people, and we're going to be making some change with that. Well, in your speech tonight, you were talking about the uh, a lot of the students that are homeless. Uh, there's um, Assemblyman Mark Berman, as you know, that he was trying to uh, have an, a bill passed in the Assembly so that you could sleep in your RV in the parking lot. What do you think? I know you're, you're in that age. You're going back to uh, George, uh, Georgetown University? George Washington. George Washington <laughs> University, Okay. And you're going to be studying political science? I'm actually doing international affairs, but, you know, okay. similar. Uh, excellent, thing. excellent. What, what, what does your dad do? My dad is he's a program manager at uh, VMware. Okay. We have a crisis on the peninsula with housing. What do you think that we can do to bring more housing to the market, which would be workforce housing or affordable housing? Well, first of all, with AB302, which you just rose uh, as an issue, that is, kids that don't have that are trying to learn at the community college and don't have a place to sleep. That's that's so bad for our county. We need to help these kids with their learning, with what they're doing, and we need to bring housing, as you just said. And what I think we got to do is what we have to bring is transportation associated with housing because what we've seen is kids not being able to get to their community colleges. That's why we're these this housing problem with those students is such a big problem. And I think, especially for me, as I told you in the speech, is that what's a concern of mine is coming back here and living. I won't be able to afford it. That's just the simple truth, as the, and there aren't enough housing to house me. So I think we've got to bring in 
below market rate affordable housing for us young people, especially when we're trying to come back from college and live in here, especially. That's, that's the key issue. And it also has to be centered around ways that we can move transportation systems, which I hope can, can be associated with how we're going to build those housing units and also get people where they need to go. Now, we have a crisis also in the health care system in this country right now. Do you think health care should be free for all? I think, I think it should. My only issue is I want to know how we can pay for it because, because I, I think there are so many young people, so many people who aren't on plans, about half of the Americans. I mean, people get it through their jobs, but it's not enough. It really isn't doing enough. And so we need to take some serious look at this. We, need, we want it free because there are so many people that don't have access to it because they can't afford it. That's the problem. That is the serious problem. But what we need to do is look at how we can pay for that, whether through taxes, whether it's the wealth tax, whether it's any different kind of uh, money raising. If we cut some of the spending programs, like with the military, that's what I'd be a proponent of, is cutting some military spending, redirecting that to health care, because that is so much more important because we have people dying on the streets, and what happens is people who don't have insurance, they go to the hospital, they ring up taxpayer money. But if we had it free for everyone, if we had good doctors, we were able to send it to the good doctors and do what you need to do, then that's, that's what we can do. And I think having that free for them, having it more available because we need it universal. Because when it's not universal, you, people who don't have health care, they're infecting other people, and that's, that's hurting everybody. Right now we've had over 100 mass shootings in the United mm-hmm. States, and uh, a lot of those issues are dealing with mental health. What do you think we should do in our current curriculum or school system? Do you think we should be engaging with mental health? Mental health seems to be a crisis throughout the country. I think mental health is the, the pinpoint of how we can first start with this issue. That's, that's the starting point to address all the shootings and the gun violence. Of course, there are so many ways that we can address the guns themselves, but we have to look at is why, why are people doing this? Why are they doing this? How, like, we need to first be helping these young kids who are, have the mental health issues, get them in the right facilities, the right programs, and make sure that they're safe and also make sure everyone else is safe and make sure that they can't get in the hands of themselves any weapons or any other associated things that can cause violence. We also, what we also have to look at, and I've seen it in some of our schools here in public schools, is a lot of bullying. We have to look at why, how does that influence the mental health of young kids and why is this bullying happening and why is, it, why is our schools not doing enough to address it. We need to have teachers that can uh, inspire their students to be good, to stop the bullying. We need to have schools who... Uh, create a culture of love and community and that supports all students. That's what we can address, how we can address the mental health crisis and the bullying crisis so that kids aren't going to be committing these acts of violence and we can also make sure our schools are safe and everybody else involved with that. Well, I'm glad you uh, glad you feel that way. I know the, the uh, National uh, Association for Suicide Prevention has said uh, suicide is on an increase, and especially in young people today. And not just young people, but across the country in all ages. So the pressure's on with families and housing and stuff like that. So what are your some of your goals back here? You're, you're going to do international studies. What do you want? What, what particular countries do you want to focus on besides the United States? Oh, well, I'm definitely... Uh, very passionate about Latin American countries. I'm really considering uh, going into the Peace Corps after college, after doing maybe possibly a focus on Latin American affairs while I'm at George Washington. And I want to, because there, there's so many different different issues that we're seeing. It's it's the problem with our immigration is because there's so much violence down there because people are suffering because of economic disadvantage and also the violence that is down there. And so we need to help them. We need to address the root cause of that, mm-hmm. why people are leaving, and exactly how this is happening. But we need to give them aid. We need people to go down there and help. I, I would love to go down there, build schools, help bring in food, and then teach these kids as a teacher. That's what I'm so passionate about. And I think if we can have people, like especially in the Peace Corps, 
totally support that. Bunch of young people going down there. Idealistic, enthusiastic, go down there. Teach these kids, make sure they stay out of gangs of violence, but also making sure that we can help economically develop that region. And what we're seeing with Venezuela, the crisis, people mass exodus because of the terrible Maduro regime. We need to see what we can do to help these people without any military intervention. That's, that's what we want to well, On be behalf of Podcast by the Bay, Nick, we want to welcome you to your new venture, and we want to welcome you to the Democratic Central Committee, and we wish you the very, very best of luck. We, we, you want to promote your bill again and the bill yeah. to change the voting age to 17? What is the name of that uh, bill? Or Ace, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tell me the bill name. ACA4 by Assemblymember Kevin Mullen. All right. Well, congratulations. Thank you from Podcast by the Bay, and we wish you the best of luck. Patrick, thank you very much. Listening to the sounds of Leo DeVito perform Django. And you can find out more about Leo DeVito on the Highway Soul music page at highwaysoul.com. All right, until next time, keep on rocking and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. You can contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Podcast by the Bay is a production of Bay City Communications and is sponsored by Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com and also Highway Soul Productions www.highwaysoul.com You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast by the Bay as our handle or on Facebook facebook.com slash podcast by the bay and remember you can listen to any of our episodes anytime on any podcast site until next time stay tuned Thank you.